Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 to 18. But I will just read two verses. We will be reading the verses as we go along. And then we will uh, we'll open in prayer after I read the first two verses. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Let's, let's all stand. Our Father in heaven, what a wonderful morning indeed you have given to us today. That as we gather and worship you in spirit and in truth and sing songs of worship and praise, we say, Lord, there is no other God but you. You are the creator of heaven and earth, things visible and invisible. You have given us life and all the gifts together with this life. We give you thanks and praise, O God. We thank you, O Lord, for your great salvation that you have gifted us with through your son, Jesus Christ. We can never thank you enough. We cannot work our way to our salvation. You provided our salvation. Father, we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit once again take control of everything that we say and we do this morning. Anoint your word, anoint your speaker, prepare our hearts and minds as we listen to you. You are our teacher and you bring us to your truth. Help us, Lord, to understand what you want us to understand this morning and that we may apply this in our lives. Praise be to you. We give you glory and honor and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's all sit down. Scripture right away tells us God's purpose for his command to Abraham. Verse 1 says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. So it was to test him. About what? His faith in God. God has tested him before. Now he's testing him again. And God is asking Abraham to offer Isaac as a burnt offering at a mountain in the region of Moriah. Now, where is this Moriah? <laughs> Moriah is located in Jerusalem, the Temple Mount in particular, this particular mount. In Second Chronicles, we find it that it, 
Moriah was where the Solomon's temple was located. Solomon's temple was destroyed and then it was rebuilt and then it was called Herod's temple. And that's where the Temple Mount, the most contentious piece of land in the whole of this earth today. Now, notice he said, your only son. God said, your only son. But we know if we read the story of the life of Abraham that he had another son, Ismael, born of Sarah's servant, Hagar. But Isaac was the legitimate son of Abraham. And God specified Isaac to be the offering. What a terrible dilemma Abraham was in. God was again testing Abraham's faith in him. You know, trials often show what is inside our heart. Not when things are, are okay, things are happy and smooth. It is during those times of trials that will be testing your heart, what is inside your heart. Impurities come to the surface, as they say, in the heat of fire. And every word that God used was like a knife into Abraham's heart. When he heard God's word saying, take your son, your only son. Not the best of your flock, Abraham. Not the most expensive of what you have, but your son. Abraham would have given them all gladly. His flock, his possessions, everything he had. But not his son. But God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. As if to remind Abraham of his great love for Isaac. God acknowledged that Abraham loved Isaac. No, God was asking Abraham to make the greatest sacrifice. Abraham had a choice. He had a choice to make and it involved the life of his son to obey God or not to obey God. He loved Isaac, but he also loved God. Which one will prevail? Isaac was the son, his son of God's promise. The son of his wife and the son of his old age. Abraham was 100 years old when he had Isaac, when Isaac was born. At this time, Isaac was probably in his late teens when this event happened. This command made it even harder for Abraham to give up his son. These factors coming into his mind. I love my son. He's my legitimate son. My son of my old age. 
And this was the only instance you can find in the Bible where God commands someone to offer his son as a sacrifice to him. In the Mosaic law, which was given many, many years later, animal sacrifice was required to atone for sins, not human sacrifice. Animal sacrifices have been done even way in early in the book of Genesis. One of the sons of Adam offered animal sacrifice. It was already done. Not human sacrifice. The pagan people were doing that kind of sacrifice to the god of Molech, to their idols and their pagan gods. The God of Abraham, the God that Abraham knew, never asked this kind of sacrifice until now. It must have been confusing to Abraham, but he did not question God's command. Abraham's faith was again on trial before the Lord. And brethren, faith is always tested. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, it is more strange when you say you have faith in the Lord and you are never tested. That would be strange. Our faith in God will always be tested both in small ways and in big ways. Faith in God may not remove our trials, but it gives us God's strength to overcome them. Let me read it again. Faith in God may not remove our trials, but it gives us God's strength to overcome them. So if today, brothers and sisters, God were to take away from you whatever it is He has greatly blessed you with, and you love so much, how will you respond to that? Hmm? How will you respond to that? So this morning, let me share with you five important lessons we can learn out of God's ultimate testing of Abraham's faith in him. The first lesson we find here is that obedience is a learned experience of knowing God. Obedience is a learned experience of knowing God. The more you know God, the more you obey God. The more you obey God, the more you will know God and the more blessings you will have. And the greatest blessings of all is knowing God more and more not the material possessions you have. Because, brethren, ultimately, the greatest treasure we will ever have in our life today and forever 
is having that relationship with God, knowing Him more and more. Let me read verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Look at the amazing way Abraham responded to God's command to offer his son. Verse 3 says, Abraham got up early the next morning to go where God ordered him to sacrifice Isaac. Now, I know that Abraham was probably about 117-something, I'm not sure, years old. And you know, when you get older, you wake up earlier. Kanan mga senior citizens, sayo matog, sayo sad mo mata. Diba? But then probably something was seriously in the mind of Abraham, of course. This was very, very serious. We are not told in Scripture that Abraham informed his wife. What, what do you think would happen if Abraham told Sarah, Sarah, God spoke to me and ordered me to bring our son Isaac to that mountain in Moriah and offer him as, as, a, as a burnt offering. I can just imagine Sarah wailing, No way, Abraham! No! That's our only son! I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that. I'm just imagining. You know how wives react? <laughs> uh, guys, husbands. Perhaps the command was given at night or late in the day. Was Abraham able to sleep that night? Probably not. If God gave me that command, I can never sleep that evening. How could you? What were the thoughts in his mind? What, why didn't he beg God on the matter? You don't find it there at all. Did he know that, that God was testing him again in this most difficult way? Lord, are you testing me again? Did Abraham cry out to God, Lord, why are you asking me to offer my beloved son to you? Why must you take away the son who has brought happiness to me and to my wife? Isn't he the son of your promise? Why not just take all my other possessions, but please spare my son? Many years prior to this, Abraham had complained to God when his promise of giving him a son was delayed for 10 years. And that's why Ismail was born. Sarah gave the idea to Abraham, why not just take my, my servant, Hagar, sleep with him, and then we will have a son. Dugay kayo, say, Lord, 
not wait. And Abraham agreed. And the result, only trouble in their lives. Abraham was already living in the promised land, but he still did not have the promised son. He had to wait for another 15 years, a total of 25 long years for God's promise to be fulfilled with the birth of Isaac. What a test of faith. Are you willing to wait 25 years? And this promise was given to Abraham when he was 75 years already. It's probably okay when you're 20 years old, 25 years, I'll be 45. But here, 75. And now, this very son of promise, God is asking Abraham to be offered as a burnt offering. Abraham had previous encounters with God. His faith was tested before. He experienced firsthand that God re rewards faith and obedience. In his time, God fulfills his promises. He never fails to deliver on his promises. Look at the history of his relationship with people. He always does what he promises. Abraham had to learn who God is, his holy and faithful nature. He had to learn and know God's awesome power to do even the impossible. Sarah was 90 years old, way past menopause, and got pregnant. Make sure nobody claims that he was, you know, other people are responsible. As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we progressively learn God's nature and character. That He is the good shepherd, a loving Father who cares for us, who teaches us in the right way, who guides us in the right path, provides for our needs. He sustains us. He protects us and disciplines us when we stray far. In the process, God transforms our character and strengthens the bond of our relationship with Him. By this time, Abraham knew that God is true. Abraham knew that God is able, that God is reliable, that God is faithful. And because Abraham knew God, he learned to obey and trust Him completely, believing that God knows perfectly what He was doing. In other words, because he knew God deeply, he learned to completely surrender his will to God's will, even when probably in his human mind, he was confused and he was troubled. But he learned to obey what God says. And this reminds us of the truth in Proverbs Chapter 3, verse 5, which is a very favorite verse of my, one of my daughters, Vida. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Consistent obedience is a learned experience and a character forged 
in the crucible of trials. When we are new Christians, our obedience is <laughs> far between. Just like a child. They do what they like, so you keep on correcting them, disciplining them, guiding them, teaching them. But as they grow older, they become more obedient to their parents. Although not, not all. Some, even when they are already grandparents, they are still but long on to their parents. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In that when there is a clear instruction in Scripture about what God's will is, do not disobey it. Abraham knew the voice of God. He heard the voice of God. And this reminds us of what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. That's how you know you belong to God's flock. You know his voice, and you follow him. He's the shepherd. Abraham knew the righteous character of God. God is good. How can he do this? Today, God's revelation of himself through his written word and the indwelling spirit is more than enough for us to really know him. We have no excuse. Abraham did not have a Bible, not even the Old Testament. While we have the complete Old and New Testament scriptures. Let's go to second lesson. God's intentions and plans for us are always the best. Not even just good, but the best. He knows what's best for us. Verse 4 to 5. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Now, it took them three days. Abraham, Isaac, the two servants, and the donkey. It took them three days to reach the place where God told Abraham to bring Isaac. God could have told Abraham, uh, offer your son as a burnt sacrifice there in your, in your backyard. Could have, there's a hill over there. Abraham, you do it there. No, God specifically told him to go to the mount, one of the mountains in Moriah. It took them three days. That's more than 50 miles or something. That's, that's a far uh, distance. He had time to think and change his mind. Three days, he was walking with his son towards a place of sacrifice. There was just a bonding between father and son for those next three days, morning, noon, evening, middle of the night, early morning. They had breakfast together, lunch together, dinner together. Maybe they had snacks together, 
sat down, conversed with his other. And the father kept looking at his son. And the son did not have any inkling whatsoever that he would be the sacrifice. Now Abraham was facing the strongest temptation now to disobey God. Now why did he tell his servants to wait? To wait, just wait here with the donkey while I and my son would go to worship and then we'll come back together. When God had ordered him to offer his son as a sacrifice, that means death for Isaac. That he would have to kill Isaac himself and burn him at the altar. That just doesn't fit in our natural mind. Did Abraham think that though Isaac would be killed, God will bring him back to life? What did he anticipate God will do when the moment comes for him to slay his beloved son? We are not told. But one thing Abraham had learned from past trials, God had the best intentions for him and his son because God is supremely good. Hallelujah. God is good all the time. He only needed to trust and obey him. He was learning already what God taught the prophet Jeremiah 1,300 years later. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That promise, the truth, Abraham was learning already. It is during times of our trials that we are spiritually enriched because our eyes of faith are open to see the wonders of God's amazing love and His power at work in our life. Not, we can never experience that without trials. We are not enriched without trials. The greater the trials, the greater the enrichment. Without them, we will not grow spiritually and we would still be a child in our Christian faith. The third lesson. True faith will persevere under trial. Verse 6 to 8, let me read. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and place it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. So picture this, brethren. The firewood, 
which was placed on the donkey, was taken off and placed on the back of Isaac. Abraham brings the torch of fire. He had his knife hidden. I, I don't know if Isaac saw it. But there was no burnt offering. So they are now walking towards the altar side. And then Isaac asked the question, Father, you have the fire in the wood, but where is the sacrifice? I'm sure Isaac have, has, uh, uh, has noticed before that whenever his father would do a, a, a sacrifice offering, there was always an animal, but this time there was none. Abraham simply answered, My son, God himself will provide. Abraham did not have the heart to tell Isaac that he would be the sacrifice. Dad, ask someone on sacrifice. Huh? God will provide. He didn't say, you will be the sacrifice. He didn't have the heart to tell him that. He was not lying when he said, God will provide. And that was born out of his trust in the Lord. Satan must have been tempting him. Satan must have been tempting him. Abraham, no, there is no lamb waiting for you. Your son will die. What an unfair God you have. Don't do it. You don't have to do this. Just go back and your son will live. Isn't it true there are times when we are tempted to do something out of God's will? And Satan whispers in our ears, you don't have to do this. You don't do Your God is very unfair. As a father, he must have been experiencing so much turmoil, emotion inside of him. From the time he received God's command until this time, he had to, bugger, he had to battle against his own father's instinct to protect his son's life. Isn't it true that when our children are very sick or has a serious injury, we say, God, why not just take me instead, instead of my own daughter or my own son? Just take me. That's the, that's the maternal and paternal instinct. It will kick in. But Abraham was persevering in his faith in the Lord because true faith endures. True faith in God endures. And why does it endure? Because God's power was at work in him. When we endure through trials and difficulties, it is because God's power is at work in us. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. That's what Paul said. I can do all things. Paul suffered so much. He was under trial many times over. And yet he, he says, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. We see the grace the favor, the peace of God working and holding the mind and heart of Abraham as he was walking towards this, the altar that he was going to make. Abraham was certainly heartbroken and miserable inside. After all, he was only human just like us. Yet in his heart, he trusted God would intervene. I don't know how God would intervene, probably in his mind said, I don't know how God is going to do this, but I know he will intervene. And this event reminds me of the Apostle Paul when he asked for deliverance from his suffering, which he called a thorn in the flesh. What did God say to him? Paul, my grace is sufficient in you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God demonstrates His great power when we are weak. And here we see the preview of the Heavenly Father offering His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins. How do you think God felt when Jesus, His beloved Son, was carrying the cross on the way to Calvary, where he would be crucified and die. He loved his son. But he also loved us. And he was willing to give up his son for you. And for me, God could have stopped it. God could have stopped the crucifixion. In fact, God could have stopped the arrest of Jesus. But he did not. What immeasurable love God has for us. No wonder the Bible declares, if God is for us, who can be against us? We see here in Isaac a portrait of Jesus. Isaac was a beloved son, just like Jesus. He was obedient to the Father's will, just like Jesus. He carried the wood where he would be laid, just as Jesus carried his wooden cross to Calvary. And he willingly laid on the wood just as Jesus laid on the cross. No one had to force them. It was here that their similarities end. Isaac did not die. There was no reason for him to die. 
Jesus the Messiah was still to come and he will die. Let's go to the fourth lesson. God's test reveals the depth of our faith in him. Verse 9 to 12. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called him out from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that, you're fear, that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So when they reached the place where Isaac was supposed to be, to be sacrificed, Abraham quickly built an altar. Usually they pile stones or rocks, small rocks. And then on top of that rock, you have the wood, the firewood, where they will use it to burn the offering. Notice, brethren, that Abraham bound his own son with a rope, probably also the legs. And then he lifted them up and put him on top of the firewood. Isaac never struggled. Isaac willingly laid down. He trusted his father who trusted in God. He probably just looked at his father bound and Abraham was looking at him. He was showing the strength of faith that his, his father had in God. I trust in my father in his mind. There was just silence, perhaps broken by a gust of wind on this lonely mountain. They were alone there with his son. Abraham was totally focused on obeying God's command. Notice there is no hesitation whatsoever. He completely surrendered to God, very methodical. He trusted in him. What a man of faith Abraham had become after the series of testing he went through in his life. Then without saying a word, Abraham took out his knife. This is the picture of what it was like. And his son just looked at him. But God said, Stop! Don't harm the boy! What a relief on the part of Abraham. 
His heart must have been bursting with joy. Oh, God. I could have killed my son. Maybe he dropped the knife and hugged his son and cut the ropes, Re released him and bound him. God provided another sacrifice. Truly God provided another sacrifice. As Abraham said earlier in answer to his boy. He didn't know. He only had faith. 2,000 years later at Calvary, God did not stop the hand of death from taking away the life of his only begotten son. Did not. There was no one else to take his place. None. We are all sinners. None. Only a perfect sacrifice without stain of sin, without sin can ever be offered on our behalf. Jesus had to die to save us from judgment of our sins and from an eternity in hell. If you say you have faith in the Lord and you are in some kind of trial today, how are you doing? The Lord must know are you mad at him? How high, how deep, and how wide has your faith in the Lord grown now? God will let you see it. And it humbles us and motivates us to learn to trust our Heavenly Father even more. Let's go to the fifth lesson. God rewards our faith in Him. Verse 13 to 14. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. So after hearing God speaking to him, stop, don't harm the boy. So he heard the voice, so he looked up, and there he saw a ram caught by its horns. Because you know, they were on a, on a mountain or a hill. So he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain, the Lord will be provided. At the perfect time, God intervened to, by providing another sacrifice. God never intended Isaac to be the sacrifice. Never. He was testing Abraham's faith in his word. Isaac was spared, and Abraham's faith was rewarded and gave glory to God. From verse 15 to 18, God rewarded Abraham's faith with what? With a repeat of his previous promise of 
great blessings. To a man who had no children for 85 years, God promised that he will have numerous descendants who will take possession of the cities of their enemies. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through them. What tremendous blessings the whole world has received from God because of one man's obedience. That's why Abraham is called the father of faith. And through Abraham's descendants came the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessings of redemption was upon every tribe and nation of the earth. And that's why we are here today, worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are Abraham's descendants by our faith in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are recipients of God's manifold blessings that will reach unto eternity. Brethren, though Abraham had his share of failures to do what was right early in his walk with God, in time, he came out victorious after he was tested again and again. And through the centuries, Abraham has stood as a shining example of true faith in God. He learned to trust God in every area of his life because he learned that God is trustworthy and he is indeed trustworthy. God honored his faith. After this event, when you continue reading the life story of Abraham, he never had any serious or big trials in his life until he died. So let me summarize, brethren, the things that we can learn from this trial of Abraham. Obedience is a learned experience of knowing God. Second, God's intentions and plans for us are always the best. Don't ever doubt Him. Third, true faith endures trials. Fourth, trials will reveal the depth of our faith in God, or if we do not have faith in Him at all. And then lastly, God rewards our faith in Him. If you are a Christian and you're going trial today, come to the Lord, because He is the God who will provide the strength, the way, and the victory for you. Allow me to quote a portion of a poem written by Anne Johnston Flint. It's entitled, He Gives, me, he gives More Grace. Anne was a Christian woman who suffered so much in her life, Yet she wrote many poems and hymns that have comforted and encouraged multiple of people who were undergoing trials. She wrote, He gives more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sends more strength when the labors become harder. To more afflictions, He adds His mercy. To multiplied trials, His multiplied peace. God rewards through faith. Because true faith glorifies Him. And persevering faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the key to victory in our walk with Him. To those 
who do not have a personal relationship with God yet, make a decision to receive the one that God provided to be offered as a perfect sacrifice to reconcile you to God. He is Jesus. He carried your sins on that cross. He willingly gave his life to save you from eternal death and eternal torment. He's the only one who died and rose from the dead who can give you a new life that is eternal. No other name, as the Apostle Peter declared. No one else has done that for you. Today you can have this new life if you, can, if you come to him by faith. Repent of your sins and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and follow him as king for the rest of your life. Let's bow down our heads. Father, I know that you have spoken to some here today. Let me ask you, do you have in your life the substitute sacrifice that can save you? Have you really put and entrusted your life to Jesus Christ alone as your personal Savior and Lord? Or you are trusting in your own good deeds? Or are you trusting in your own righteousness that falls short of the standard of God? Do you know, you know, do you know for sure that you have eternal life, that you are saved? If not, I challenge you to make that decision today. And as a sign of faith, just raise your hand to the Lord. And I will lead you in a short, sincere prayer to the Lord at this time. Thank you for that hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you for that hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you for that hand. Is there anyone else who wants to commit? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. You put down your hands. Thank you for those hands there at the back. You pray with me this prayer. This is your own prayer, not my prayer. I'm just leading you. God, I am a sinner. Forgive me of all my sins. I cannot save myself. That your word says. Because salvation is a gift that comes from your it is by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who makes us right before you. He paid our debts to God in full. And so, Lord, I repent of my sins. Help me to turn away from a life of sin to a life of righteousness and turn to Jesus Christ and receive him today as my personal Savior. And I will make him king of my life, not me anymore. I receive by faith your gift of forgiveness, your gift of eternal life.
I am yours. I belong to you now. You have sealed me by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Help me to live my life that honors you. And if there are Christians here who are struggling with whatever trials you may be experiencing today, I can pray for you. If you are one of those that may be undergoing trial and your faith is being tested, lift up your hand and I will pray for you. There are so many hands raised. So many hands raised. So many hands raised. So many hands raised at the back. Always remember this, that God loves you. That God's plans and intentions for you are the best. He's allowing you to go through this because He wants to promote you. He wants you to grow stronger and your faith becomes deeper. Lord, I pray for these brethren who are raising their hands. You know what's going on exactly in their lives, O oh Lord. And I pray, O oh God, that you will empower them, first of all, to overcome these trials by their faith in you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit may comfort them reminding them of your great promises, that you love them, that you care for them. In fact, your word says, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. Yes, God cares for you. Whatever it is, maybe you're sick. Lord, I pray, oh God, for your healing touch upon them. If you are in financial trouble, Lord, help them find a way that they will be relieved from those. Maybe you have troubled children. Lord, we lift up those children, problematic husbands or problematic wives, your business. Lord, we lift them up to you, these trials that they are undergoing, oh God. You know what's best for them. May your grace and your peace be upon them. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen and Amen.